0: Welcome to ACE Audio, the podcast that supports, educates, informs, and motivates manual therapists around the world. All right, welcome everyone. Thanks for joining us today. Sean Brewster, Boating Lead, and talking to Tino D'Angelo today about the differences between acupuncture and dry needling, and maybe a little bit about the division with acupuncture and dry which unfortunately still exists today. Uh, Tina, welcome. Thanks for joining us today.
1: Thanks, Sean. Thanks, Bo. Um,
0: Tina, for those who may not know you, would you mind just giving a quick introduction about who you are, what you do, and why maybe we've asked you to join us on this topic today? Because you are a subject matter expert for sure.
1: Thanks, Sean. Uh, yeah, so I've been—I'm um, a musculoskeletal therapist, and I am an acupuncturist, Chinese herbal medicine practitioner. Um, so clearly, yeah, uh, foot in both camps. Um, I, I suppose I practice—I practiced, I practiced for—I've practiced for a long time rather in integrating the two, uh, and that I spent most of my career there. So uh, I do recognise the differences between the two and then you know there are some similarities as well uh but predominantly practice in the area of musculo uh, musculoskeletal uh, therapy and um, manual therapy so musculoskeletal injuries and um yeah in that field so great.
0: okay and so Tina you've um you've been a, a great uh, advocate and a, a bit of a pundit with when it comes to talking about um the differences for dry needling because you've got like you said a foot in both camps and you can you can uh, with confidence and, and and knowledge say well here are the similarities and here are the differences but historically there's been a real like there's a bit of a division between these two modalities these two approaches in especially from the chinese medicine acupuncture camp where we often hear um rightly or wrongly that acupuncturists believe that dry needling is nothing more than a watered down Diluted version of Kid Puncher. And um, it'd be great if you could talk to that for the, for a minute or two to start with.
1: Yeah, I think, um, you know, my thoughts are that it started um, way back in 1977, right? So that's when um, Ronald Melzack made a statement saying that um, 71% of acupuncture points actually correspond with trigger points. And personally, I think his, his statement was incorrect. There's a, there's a category of acupuncture points that which we call our sure points, which are simply tender spots. Uh, and so his statement would have been more correct uh, if he would have said our sure points rather than acupuncture points. And so, you know, that that his research paper has been cited many, many times, you know, hundreds of times in, in you know, in the literature, in, in other research articles. So that's clearly contributed to, you know, to the grey area. Um, so automatically uh, we've got, you know, Western medicine practitioners and, and, you know, practitioners in the biomedical field, including manual therapists, thinking that, you know, acupuncture's at least 71 percent you know the same as as trigger points um, so I think that's where it all started um, but you know there's still um, you know on both sides so then the acupuncturists think that that it's the same thing as well and you know all of a sudden you've got World War three when you when you mention you know dry needling in a room full of acupuncturists it's like absolutely
0: yeah and it's interesting like for the general public from the outside looking in they see somebody inserting a needle into a body you could see you could be forgiven for thinking they are the same thing from a a layman perspective but the challenge we have as as healthcare practitioners is where we have different educated health practitioners still believing that there are similarities or that one is like I said before a diluted version of the other one so if for, and I guess for the most part, in my experience, it's been Chinese medicine practitioner acupuncturists who've who have had a, a bit of an opposition to dry needling. And I think that um, you're absolutely right. The research and how you can take one piece of information and quote it over and over and over again mm. in different contexts, people lose the context of what it's about. Correct. And while and there might be real. some that's right, there might be some similarities about where we find acupuncturists and sorry, where we find acupuncture points. And where we sometimes find trigger points, because they're not always exactly in the same location, um, that simple fact doesn't make the two things the same.
1: Correct. Um, yeah. And
0: that's, I think, where people may have gotten lost. So that's an important point.
1: Yeah, that's that's right. And and it's interesting you mentioned the general public. I mean, to the general public, you know, the two things, you know, that uh, they're needling. Uh, you know both modalities needle, and then you know there's the exactly the same filiform needle that's being used. So to the general public, well, isn't it the same thing? And and yeah. and then and then even you know, so we're all we're all um, involved in teaching students, and you know students often. I mean that's such a common question. What is the difference between acupuncture and dry needling? So it's a gray area for everybody, unless you're really. Got that specific knowledge on both, Mm. then you know it's very, very difficult to tell what's different about it. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It's,
0: It's so easy to get caught up in the the um the the similarities when, like you said, unless you've got knowledge, you won't recognize the fact that an acupuncturist spends four or five years learning that modality. And a person dry needling doesn't just learn it in a weekend or in a short course. That's not. There's this under, underpinning knowledge of musculoskeletal anatomy, neurological, vascular anatomy, um, pathophysiology, all of these other things that we have to learn before we can then learn how to put a needle in.
2: That and is so it's correct. not just a yeah. short,
0: it's not just a, you know, a weekend course that someone picks up and can do uh, at any time. There's a lot yeah. more to it than that.
1: And, and that's the common misconception from the acupuncture side of things. You know, so often I hear, oh, look, you know, they do a work weekend workshop and then they're qualified to stick needles in. Well, yes, that's true. But like you've explained, there's all that underpinning knowledge that, that you know, it has to be learned before a practitioner or a manual therapist can can stick a needle in because, you know, that there's, there's all of the... Um, you know, local anatomy that, that needs to be learned about the neurovascular anatomy, um, you know, endangerment sites and lung fields and uh, all of that, you know, one simply can't just learn needling without having that unpinning lo- knowledge. So, um, and often, you know, it's it's myotherapists, um, it's physios, it's osteos, it's chiros that, that do dry needling and their uh, their anatomy is, 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 you know, excellent. And, and even when we, you know, But when we're talking about remedial uh, massage practitioners, okay, well, their basic training really doesn't equip them with quite the same level of anatomy as, say, an osteopath would have or a physio. Um, However, this is where, you know, courses like your course, Sean, uh, you know, include the additional anatomy that, that, that they can brush up on. So there's always a standard before they can stick needles in.
0: Yeah. So let's let's talk a little bit about the, the underpinning science behind dry needling for a minute. This is a great one to throw to you for, I think, because this is really your bag. Um, and, and then, Tina, if we can talk, if you can put on your Chinese medicine hat for a moment and talk about the underpinning principles and concepts that form the foundation of acupuncture, because I think that'll be a really good thing to highlight. For someone who might be watching or listening to this who doesn't really know about either, I'm thinking i oh, i don't want to learn dry needling because it seems too complicated or i don't want to learn acupuncture because it seems too different to what we're doing let's give let's give the the uh the audience a little bit more perspective about where this comes from Bo, do you want to just talk a little bit about what we're doing when it comes to needling with with a dry needling perspective
2: yeah well i think the, the first thing as tino um spoke about before that You know, we really need to have that good underpinning knowledge of anatomy and some really sound clinical reasoning as to why we would apply a needle. You know, we don't just put needles in for the sake of it. There's got to be some sound clinical reasoning behind that. And we think, well, why is that particular spot painful? All right. So we think, well, if we can press on a spot, what what is causing that pain? So we can have peripheral drivers, we can have central drivers. But if we look at, you know, those, um, sensitization of the nociceptors so where we have this upregulation of these biochemicals at the site of a myofascial trigger point so increasing these in inflammatory substances that can sensitize the-, the nociceptor peripherally now the longer that that persistent source of nociception is there that can cause central changes so we've got potentially a a, a a peripheral driver let's say a trigger point in the in the deltoid that causes if that's persistent that can cause changes to the, the the dorsal horn where there's upregulation of of these pro-inflammatory chemicals at the dorsal horn you know then we can that can lead to some more central changes and and persistent pain states now When we think about that, well, yeah, there's there's peripheral drivers, there's potentially central drivers. This can increase the attention to pain, and you know, we integrate this into the whole um, uh, sort of complexities of of pain. Um, There's a lot going on there, and when we think about what's happening at the site of a myofascial trigger point, we're looking really from a pathophysiological point of view. You know, if there's Uh, sort of a local contracture that leads to uh, limited oxygen and limited blood supply to that area that can increase um, the the pH so sorry decrease the pH so that area becomes more sensitized. Now when we think about applying a, a needle to that area we're really looking to 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 increase the the local blood flow around that area increase the, uh, the oxygenation ox- oxygenization um and you know improve the health of that tissue there which can sort of create a bit of more of a dilution effect all right so there's less sensitization of that nociceptor there's then less peripheral um or uh, nociceptive afference to central nervous system so ideally or theoretically that the sensitivity can can decrease. So if we can change what's happening peripherally, then ideally, we can change what's happening as far as that input to the central nervous system. And there's always going to be, you know, then changes in in motor output um, as well. So, you know, when, when we use dry needling, I think it's important to understand that we can address that uh, from a pathophysiological point of view that could potentially decrease a patient's pain for a period of time.
0: Perfect. And so that's, that's going to be vastly different. I'm going to predict here, Tina, that's going to be vastly different to a Chinese medicine perspective of why you would insert a needle. Um, And I I hope that the, the acupuncturists, the Chinese medicine practitioners that are watching or listening to this can hear that and go, right, well, that's different. That's different to what we do. And, and both camps should see that difference and respect one another for it. So let's, let's dive into the TCM for those who are not familiar with how acupuncture works so you know, let's walk through some of the principles the under, the underpinning foundational knowledge that it goes into someone having or receiving an acupuncture treatment.
1: So so yeah there's I mean there's many many areas we could really discuss but say taking Bo's lead there and sort of discussing this um you know a side of pain and then then the central the central effects from that. You know an acupuncturist would probably look at those central effects and and look at how they're presenting so in terms so we look at um you know, the diag- our diagnosis is in terms of um, Im- imbalance. So, you, you know, so, so if this person was treated uh, biomedically, so it was treated in terms of manual therapy, um, they'd be treated with the, the key word being their trigger points. I mean, trigger points are central to, to myofascial dry needling. Um, so mechanistically, um, so one would need all the trigger point Okay, so so the the um, manual therapist, but then from a Chinese medicine perspective, so this may or may not, um, you know, deal with I suppose the plethora of of the central changes. So those central changes uh, that you've spoken about, Bo, are really about pain, right? But these could lead to, say, you know, um, you know, mental emotional issues. So that's where the Chinese medicine practitioner would come in in terms of balancing, and so you know we talk speak about qi and we speak about um, you know energetics essentially, uh, and so Chinese medicine deals with with balance, and there's a lot of metaphor in in the way that we sort of discuss things, um, but ultimately you know Chinese medicine does deal with. Um, you know, neurophysiological changes and, and signaling, you know, there are lots of MRI studies, for example, um, you know, you, you put a point in a needle in a point, say in the hand, and then we look at the, you know, the different areas of the brain that, that light up. Um, and that's in the quest to really, to explain what we're doing um, from, from a, a, you know, scientific perspective, but ultimately we're looking at regulating the energetics of the body. Uh, and this sometimes relates to um, mechanistically, like in terms of mechanical disruption, but most times, so we're, we're talking about pattern differentiation, um, so different patterns in Chinese medicine and balancing those out. And, and, and this is where the study goes into, you know, so, so with the length of study is in Chinese medicine, this is why it takes four or five years to, to study Chinese medicine because really it's about diagnosis um, and it's making our unique style of diagnosis before we put needles in. So to simply put one needle in, it's unheard of in China. Well, there are different styles of Chinese medicine, so I shouldn't say unheard of, but it's very rare that a Chinese medicine practitioner would only stick one needle in. Um, so and the key word there is balance. And, and this is where it can kind of get a little bit sort of out of hand. You know say for example there was a, a a a dry needler just um just to say this dry needler that thought okay so i can i can put um you know the person's getting headaches and and you know i'm gonna i'm gonna dry needle suboccipital muscles um, you, um maybe trapezius and then hang on so i know i know um that there's acupuncture points you know one in the hand and there's one in the foot I might as well stick those in as well because I can put needles in and they're good for headaches. Well, this is where, because so, so your, your manual therapist does not understand the term, uh, you know, in terms of balance, like there's no understanding whatsoever, uh, whereas, you know, that's where all the, the length of study uh, when you're studying Chinese medicine, that's what it goes into. Sure. It's the fine balancing of, of key points and what to use with what uh, it's not simply a prescription like you look at, uh, you know, an acupuncture book and say, yeah, these points are good for headache. Yeah, we use these points as well. Yep.
0: And that that I think, Tino, is is a perfect lead into the where a lot, a lot of the problems come from in, in the way dry needling is taught today and how it has led to some division in the two camps um, because we see people teaching dry needling courses and then they blend in a little bit of Chinese medicine so it'd be someone like yourself who has studied both things, and I mean maybe an osteopath and an acupuncturist, for example, and they'll go, well, let's throw in a few of these points that are really good for knee pain, and this one's really good for headache, without any of that, any of that um, clinical reasoning. There's no diagnostics that have gone, no TCM diagnostics that have gone into the selection of those points. It's based purely on the fact that that point, Gallbladder Twenty One, is good for headache. So I'll use that when someone has a headache, even yeah. if the headache is caused by a cause or a, uh, an allergic reaction or something else. And I think that's, um, that's, that's a watered-down version of acupuncture. Yeah. You know, if we're talking about dry needling being a watered-down version of acupuncture, that is the ultimate definition of a watered-down version of acupuncture. It's taking something that requires four or five years of study and all of its diagnostic reasoning and then pulling out little pieces for convenience and just teaching those because they fit nicely into a dry needling model. I think that's that's where really the source of the problem is. it's the It's the muddying of the water. Would you agree Correct. with that?
1: Yeah, yeah, and we, and I think all of us here today, as, as you know all three of us know that there are those um, courses out there that actually do muddy the waters uh, you know and 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 so really, ultimately, you know a course like like your course. That that specifically, you know, says what dry needling is is, is so important to get the education uh, out there that that's you know clean and correct. Uh, you know, I think it's incredibly important.
2: Yeah, and I th- I'll just add into that, like, the, yeah, the different approaches, like when we look at it from a myofascial dry needling point of view, where we might use the, the dry needling as the tool to to reduce their pain. Um, and then we integrate that with maybe some pain neuroscience education and some exercise and, and movement and, um, you know, that whole education side of things, which... I'm sure is exactly the same as what occurs in in acupuncture, but it's sort yeah. of a slight different perspective. So, um, yeah, we we can't say that we're just going to needle this point, an acupuncture point, and then blend that with a with a Western approach. Yeah,
1: so. correct. And the key key point being there, Bo, is that you're sticking to your modality. Yeah, uh, yeah, and, and, and I mean, you know, probably just to elaborate a little bit on on one of the things you said earlier, it's kind of like um you know uh, so if someone like a patient comes in and you know and i get this often as well so they want dry needling and I, oh, you know i've got to say oh, i would just stick with traps you know really tight traps and and you know you assess you assess that you know do a palpation assessment and 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 there are no you know torque bands there are no trigger points but the patient wants to be dry needled well it's like well you know i can't I'm not going to dry needle you because there's nothing to needle, really. So, you know that that diagnostic aspect is so crucial; it's so important. Yeah, you, know, you mentioned sides. before you
0: mentioned before that um, it, there's been probably a change in Chinese medicine to integrate a little bit more of the neuroscience and
2: the
0: understanding mm. of these central processes and stuff. When I was studying some Chinese medicine years ago, there was none of that in it, or at least not to the level that I went to in it. And I think that that, that change in uh, understanding for the Chinese medicine community about a little bit more of what we're doing maybe with the myofascial work and the Western medical model um, is brilliant because it now creates a bit more depth and breadth to the modality rather than the, the, the same issue that dry needling has, which is we, we just have a very narrow approach. We, we, we understand the nervous system, the, the mechanical system of the body and the structure, and then we, we treat that and then we integrate some of the, the psychological and emotional side of it as well, of course. Um, but this is the, the the thing where I think um, a lot of the confusion lies is dry needling itself is a very narrow practice, but we have a very broad foundational understanding of the body as a manual therapist. That we place that on top of an acupuncturist has a very broad understanding of all of these things. And so to take dry needling out or take needling out and say, well, that's, a standalone modality, you can't really do it with acupuncture because it's part of a much larger framework.
1: Correct, yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, so is that to say, you know, acupuncturists can't dry needle? Um, so my answer to that would be yes, up front. Um, okay. You know, they, they can needle our sure points, but their approach is very different, so they're, they're, they're dispersing I mean, it's a similar, very similar approach. So, so they're, they're dispersing that, that um, essentially that tender spot or that nodule, um, but the understanding, that trigger point pathophysiology, that understanding is not really there for acupuncturists. And so I, I think it's equal on both sides of the fence. I mean, you know, for for some, for an acupuncturist wanting to, um, you know, specialise in manual or, or you know, the, the sort of musculoskeletal approach, um, and wanting to to work with trigger points, I think that additional that additional education would be crucial. You know, um, just because they're acupuncturists and they stick needles in, that's what they do for a living. Um, it doesn't mean that they can adequately treat and safely treat trigger points, because they would need that that you know underlying um, anatomical knowledge. I mean, for starters, but then also that you know pathophysiology, um, you know, all the things that you were talking about earlier on, but I I think that's really important.
2: Yeah, definitely. And that you know, when we think about that whole pathophysiology side of things, and and what we're trying to achieve, it's really about us trying to, to clinically reason why we would choose a certain technique. And, um, you know, and the influence of, of, of trigger points, and is it is it the primary pathology? Or is it a, a secondary driver of their pain? And then we look at what happens as far as um, extra segmental spread and expansion of the the receptive field and you know referred pain and why some people have a, a widespread myofascial pain and their central nervous system becomes sensitized and it's it's not just any it, it, well it's no longer a, a peripheral driver now it's more of a, a central nervous system problem and um, yeah you know we can't just address that with with one tool, we can't just needle no. them and expect my facial pain to be completely resolved. You know that's that's one one component of it. Yeah, yeah, that's right.
0: Great. So let's wrap this up now. Hopefully, that's given people a lot of different perspectives and ideas about the similarities, and there are some, but also the, the major differences and why both both camps, both groups, need to give respect where respect is due, because both modalities are hugely valid. We've seen a, a, a big rise in in the popularity of dry needling over the last few decades because it's become one of those things one of those things we understand better. Science has arrived. the The research is evolving constantly. It's a, it's a pretty dynamic space. Then you've got you know a few thousand years of history of Chinese medicine, of it being used as the primary source of medical support for you know um, millions of people from literally thousands of years, and you can't diminish the value of that either. So Tenet, what would be your message to try to Chinese medicine practitioners out there, particularly the ones who are maybe a little bit hesitant or guarded around their ideas on dry needling and maybe sort of like maybe don't even you know think of it, so it's as something that we should be practicing or anyone should be using
1: yeah so my message would be um would be pretty much to um I, th- I think i look on both sides like more education really um so the more modern courses in Chinese medicine have a neuroscience perspective and so they would already kind of have, have an understanding of, of 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 that from a from a biomedical approach uh so it'd be really listening to that a little bit more and 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 um probably not feel as threatened because I think a lot of it comes from you know and, and maybe I don't know, it might happen on both sides. And it happens with every profession. You know, once, you know, like with, with um osteopaths and 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 chiropractors, you know, in terms of manipulation, you know, that's a protected thing. You know, so so ultimately I think a lot of the resentment comes from, you know, needling not really being protected. Um, so I think they have to drop that idea and and you know, there's no dry needling is out there now, like there's no. Um, no reason to to really build up more resentment about it and saying you know these people shouldn't be needling um, because they don't have the understanding and whatever like so so drop that thought altogether and 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 look at that look at it from a you know a, a, a neurological a, a neurophysiological biomedical approach and look at what's actually happening there like what that modality actually is doing rather than what they shouldn't be doing, yeah, um, and and so it's important. I think if both so if education's on both side sides of the fence, I think it'd be much cleaner, and and the respect you know so respecting both modalities and stick within yep. your modality. I mean, most importantly,
0: right. that sort of goes to both sides, like you said. And yeah, I think does. there's another level to that is also the fact that um, as a Chinese medicine, Chinese medicine practitioner, acupuncturist, your ability to treat. Uh, different different presentations is hugely,
1: yeah, it's huge.
0: More, it's huge, hugely is broader
1: yeah. than
0: a dry needling practitioner. As a dry needler, we're going to treat musculoskeletal myofascial type pain mm. primarily.
1: Correct.
0: With acupuncture, you can treat sleep disorders, hormonal imbalances, yeah, um, digestive complaints, fertility issues. We're not going to touch that with dry right. needling. So you know, no, there's
1: so much for us to play with.
0: Yeah, that's right. It's it's such a big playground. I don't think people need to be threatened. Um, if if someone is feeling threatened and they feel like the dry needling practitioners down the road are taking their business, what advice would you have for them?
1: Right, yeah, that's that's a great question. I'm glad you asked that. Yeah, come and come and do a dry needling course if you want. Because because often for an acupuncturist, when we're talking acupuncturist, right, often and not not including say herbal medicine. So for an acupuncturist, the bread and butter is usually usually musculoskeletal medicine really so so for those practitioners like i can't strongly advise you know enough like go and do a dry needling course an accredited like a, a proper dry needling course that teaches dry needling so not the you know muddy version that we were speaking about you know go and do it if you want to practice musculoskeletal medicine from a chinese medicine perspective and from my biomedical perspective mm-hmm. Go and do a dry needling course. Easy. Yeah.
0: Great. Oh, so you and I have both seen uh, over the last couple of years a rise in the number of acupuncturists coming to do dry needling courses. Great. great. And and which is brilliant. Uh, and I i love having acupuncturists in my classroom when I'm teaching dry needling because we can have these conversations. Because we always talk about okay, here's acupuncture, here's dry needling, here's the difference, the similarities, respect for both sides but when we can have an acupuncturist in the room adding their different perspective and then seeing how they needle versus how we're teaching it in a dry needling course and the differences and the lights going off on both sides and sharing of ideas but do you see that as well like when you're seeing more and more of that happening like i am
2: yeah definitely um and yeah you always pick up on different approaches and a lot of um acupuncturists tend to be uh, really grateful for understanding that the the understanding of different depths of tissue where uh, they might not needle do deep dry needling as, as often so understanding that anatomy to a deeper level I think really improves their understanding of, of what they're doing their reasoning and also their, their safety that's great yeah and safety safety
1: is really important um bones in, in terms of you know in terms of um like dry needling for an acupuncturist uh and and versus acupuncture needling so so our bible so the bible is typically accepted to be um deadman's it's a big blue acupuncture book like it's about that thick um you know and you've pretty much got to memorize you know three quarters of it um but you know so for an acupuncturist it's all every single point has has a depth it it has a direction, you know, oblique insertion or a transverse or a perpendicular insertion. So, you know, so when we finish memorizing this book, you know, we've we've got you know our repertoire of points that we use, and we know exactly where it is. We know exactly what depth, and we know exactly which directions to put it in. And so that's incredibly safe, you know, like for. For an acupuncturist, but when they start to step outside of that and they start to, you know, to need all these these trigger points around lung fields in particular or, you know, um, you know, around uh, neurovascular structures, then that's when it becomes dangerous uh, and they really need to know their anatomy. So safety, safety is key.
2: Yeah. yeah we often have that question in in courses you know, what what size needle do I use or yeah. how big is the yeah. person um you know how much tissue do you have to get through how much muscle bulk do they have how much fat do they have um so it's really you know you have to integrate a little bit more of this uh, critical thinking and and understanding of what of your palpation and then three dimensional visualization yeah. of of what are my layers that I need to pass through and um what what would be the appropriate angle if I go too deep to keep me safe from avoiding an artery or a nerve? Um, so I think, yeah, that's that's certainly a really important part. You know, different body shapes and sizes um, might require different uh, different needle sizes and, and depths. Yeah, correct.
0: Yeah, and that, that just goes to your earlier point, Tina, you know, saying that you had to memorize, you know, three quarters of a giant textbook. You can't do that in a three-day dry, no. dry needling course. So normally no. we ask you to. And that's uh, only we will, the location we'll ask
1: you and, and you, know, yeah. the, the, you know, the specifics in terms of how to needle. Then there's all that, you know, the point combinations and the energetics. And, I mean, yeah. that's it's, it's huge. Like, you know, that's that's, it. that's why it's a four or five, um, you know, year course. Um, yeah. In addition to the to the diagnosis and the, you know, it's just, it's a huge course. Yeah, yeah. There's no way you can water that down.
0: No, that's right. And, that, and that's the, the thing that everybody in the Chinese medicine community needs to recognize too with dry needling is a practitioner coming into a dry needling course doesn't learn how to treat trigger points or treat myofascial pain in that three days. They have most of that knowledge already. They're learning how to insert a needle and they're learning and they're revising anatomy that they should already know to be able to work with it in a safe and effective way. It's a skill set they're learning in three days. It's not a foundational understanding no. of modality.
1: Yeah, bang um, on.
0: And that's a skill set. easy to teach, but someone who's got a good, strong foundational Foundation. knowledge. Um, but it's, you know, not everyone who does a John England course will come out of their course and uh, and have passed it. I don't know, like it's, it's not like so you just go and do it and you walk out and, you, and you're good to go. We don't pass everyone that does the course because not everyone has that foundational knowledge. So that's the key bit, the bit they get before they walk in the door. Chinese medicine, you've got four or five years, you've got hundreds of hours of clinical practice to build up under supervision. It's a whole system, vastly different to what we're doing with dry needling, which is much a more narrow approach. So, Correct. Um, yeah, I think hopefully this has been useful. I'm sure it has for, for people who aren't familiar with Chinese medicine or for the Chinese medicine practitioners who aren't familiar with dry needling or maybe had a preconceived notion of one or the other. And I think the preconceived notion is often where the danger lies. Um, and these conversations need to happen more often um, it would be great to have, uh, you know, a discussion like this, I think, in front of an audience of both practitioners and have questions answered by both sides in a group setting and be able to, you know, workshop all of these things at some point. It would be a great, a great thing to, to work through. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, Tino, Bo, any, anything more to add?
2: Um, not for me. No.
0: Great. Perfect. Tino, thank you so much for your time today. This has been great. Um if anyone would like to speak to you or contact you in the future, what's the best way to reach out to Tino? Uh,
1: probably yeah, just my email address would be fine. Um, okay, and you have a copy of?
0: Yeah, that yeah. I'll put that into process? the notes. I'll put that into the notes. So if anyone would like to reach out, they can they can uh, send you a, a question or something. I'm sure you'd be happy to follow up.
1: Yeah, um, absolutely.
0: Always a pleasure, Tino. Thanks very much. Thanks for joining, tuning in, guys. Have a great day.
1: Thanks, guys. Thank you. Yeah.